0: The first reading is Joshua uh, chapter five, verses nine through 12, uh, page 197 in your pew Bibles. The Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. And so that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, On that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Luke's Gospel. We are in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, then 11 through 32. This is the prodigal son. You have heard it before. Listen again with fresh ears. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Switching to verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, "Father, give me the share of the property that I will belong to me, that will belong to me." So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... He said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a familiar story. One we know fairly well. One that is known fairly well in our culture. The word prodigal son or prodigal what have you has entered into our national conversation. Even non Christians know what we talk about when we say the prodigal son. It is right here in the Gospel of Luke. It is what I call the lost and found chapter, it is chapter 15. There are three things that happen in chapter 15. The lost coin, the woman who loses her coin finds it. There is the lost sheep, the one from the 99, the shepherd goes, brings that one back, and the prodigal son. So it is the lost and found chapter. That's all that happens in Luke 15. See, you already know a whole chapter of the Bible. You got it, you're set. Now it is framed in one situation. So Jesus is talking with tax collectors and sinners, therefore those on the outside of civilized Judaic society, those that the Jews were not to be in contact with due to the laws of the Torah and the purity codes. These were folks that were not okay to be in relationship with. Jesus is hanging out with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes, those who are charged with keeping law and keeping religion on track and making sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to do, as according to Moses and the Torah, the law, they come to him and say, what, what, what is he doing? Why is he spending time with these people, these outcasts? We're not supposed to hang out with these people We're not supposed to be in polite conversation with these sinners and outcasts. And that is the response, that is the framing moment that Jesus takes to teach these three stories. These events didn't happen, this was Jesus being a teacher who uses these three parables to address these Pharisees and scribes who say, why are you hanging out with them, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. So we know the prodigal son story, roughly three characters, some others interspersed. We know the best, the son, the younger son, who goes to his father in a disrespectful fashion and says, give me what is mine, I am gone. I am done with this place, I am done with you, my family, Give me what is owed me, and I'm I'm going somewhere else. Now, that was a breach of etiquette on several levels. It would have been an insult to his family, especially to his father. It would have been the same as saying he wished his father were dead so he could get all the stuff that he didn't earn. It would have been against even God's law, would have been an affront to God as what he was given mostly was property, And most likely went and liquidated that property to have the money to then go and squander. And the father would have been in his rights to say, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think so. You will wait your turn until the proper time. But the father said, no, okay, let's do this. So he divided his inheritance, gave it to the younger son, and the younger son goes to a distant land, it says, and use that money for debaucherous living all of those who have used your family's money for debaucherous living no uh, no nope, nope. i take that back mentally raise your hands i will confess on behalf of all of us i have as well and things generally are okay for the younger son he must have had some thought and some plan cuz he was doing okay until there was a famine in the land Wasn't counting on that. That was not a part of his liquidation and spend process. So now he was in trouble. Nobody had food there. No one could help him. He didn't have the support network of his family or friends. He was alone. And now because of the famine, he was out of money. And the only way he knew that he could earn money was to go to work for a local Gentile businessman raising pigs, cleaning pigs, caring for the pigs, a swine herd, they called it, which of course was an affront to his Jewish faith. Pigs were unclean, again through Mosaic law and the purity codes of his day. It would have been clear. So across the board, he's insulting everyone. He has made every bad move. So while he is there tending to the pigs... He is starving, and he sees what the pig's eating, these pods. He says, these pigs are eating better than I am. And he said, I know my father's hired help, servants, eat far better than I've been able to. I guess I need to go home. And so whether he's about to die of hunger or whether he is truly Turned and seen the error of his ways. Either way, he decides he needs to go home and he practices what he's going to say to his father. Father, I'm sorry I've offended heaven. I've offended you. I'm not fit to be your son. Treat me as a hired hand. I'll sleep with them. I'll eat with them. Don't even, you don't even have to welcome me into the house. I'll work in the fields. You'll never see me. I just need to come home. Paraphrase So he practices all the way home. Father, forgive me the front to heaven and to you, I've let everybody down, treat me as a hired hand, not even as your son. So he finally gets up the rise, he's coming up the driveway and his father sees him. And it says his father ran to him. And that was a, a breach of etiquette which the father does several ways in this story. It was not dignified for the patriarch of a family to go running out to greet anybody. And and it wasn't even a cool run or a jog. He was out, son. It was a big loving run where he embraces him and covers him with kisses is the more appropriate translation. Puts a ring on his finger, gets the robe, kill the fatted calf, which is a big deal. You don't have very many fatted calf, and when you do, that's a community celebration. And as soon as the father comes out, sees the son, the son starts his, I'm, I'm ready, I've been practicing, forgive me, father, I've been in front to, to heaven and on earth, just treat me like one of you. Stop! <laughs> Servants come out, bring him the rings, bring him the robes, let's have the celebration. Son didn't even have time to finish his prepared statement. So the celebration begins, and it would have been great if it just ended right there. But it doesn't. So we've seen the father, we've seen the younger son. So now we switch to the older son. The one who was in the fields, faithfully working, doing what he was always asked to do. He hears the party, the celebration, and he asks the servant, What's what's going on? He said, Were your brother's home safe and sound, and your father's celebrating, kill the fatted calf? Game the fancy stuff. We are celebrating because he's home. You can feel the tension and the pressure in the older brother's head. His face bubbles up with anger. Blood pressure spikes. He goes and finds his father. And he says, listen. I am have been here, and you haven't done so much as killed a little goat for me and my friends. I'm here every day doing what you asked me to do. I haven't asked for anything, and you've never thanked me or done a celebration for me. The pronouns in that one verse are I, I, me, I, I. I, I, me, I, my. Sorry. I, I, me, I, my. And at the end of his tirade, his father says, Son, your brother is home. He was dead. He was lost. And now he is found. And that's where it ends. That's where it ends. We don't know where the older brother comes down. Does he throw his plow down, his farming implements, and storm off? Does he say... Okay, I guess it's nice to have the little knucklehead home, and he goes in and celebrates. We don't know that. But he was pretty angry. So then back to the father. So we have the interaction of these three men, the father and the two sons. And at times, to be honest, we are all a part of these. We have all squandered what both our family and God has given us in reckless and debaucherous, King James says, riotous living. But sometimes I wonder if we're not more like the older brother than we are the younger. But remember, this didn't happen. Jesus is teaching. So what is he telling us about the older son? He's been there the whole time doing what he was asked to do. Sometimes in the church, I think we can try to claim that entitlement, and that's what's coming from that older brother. I'm here. I'm entitled to everything, and you've given me nothing. And in the church, we want to think, I go every Sunday. I listen to that guy that you make us listen to. I better have earned my way into heaven for that. But it's not about earning our way. And he's so angry. He even uses the word slave. I am a slave for you, which is not the way you want to serve. In the church, I sometimes think that because those of us that attend regularly, we wonder about those who don't. Is it fair that those who don't attend worship regularly would be invited into God's kingdom? I mean, we're here. We're doing it. We're making the coffee. We're going to the meetings. We're fighting over the hymnal color and the carpet and all that stuff. We're doing the ministry. We're serving others in Christ's name. And these people are skating in on the side? That was the Pharisaic argument. Jesus, what are you doing with these sinners and these tax collectors? They're not our people. We're those that you came to save and be a part of. We're the house of Israel, the chosen ones. And you're with them? That's not right. We've been holding the line. We've been keeping the laws. We've been living according to the Torah, and now you're with them and not us? Same thing as the older son, and same thing for us. And I think the older brother, we need to caution as a church family that our FPC Columbus stays first Presbyterian and doesn't become first Pharisaic Church of Columbus. To say, well, we are our people, this is what we do, and we stay within these walls, then we are saying just the same thing as those Pharisees. But rather, Jesus says, oh no, you know my love, you know my grace, and I need you to go out and especially be with those who seem lost. Barbara Brown Taylor talks, a pastor, theologian, authoress talks about what it would be like to go to Huddle House for us. We'll call it Waffle House up the street. And we go in and we see one table filled, and it's all those people that might be living differently than we are, They might look different, might have a different background. Maybe it's some homeless friends that might be chemically or mentally impaired. It could be those who might be here legally or illegally from other places. It could be those who sit on the other political aisle from us. The worst, I know. It could be those with... Contagious, communicable diseases that we question how we got them and maybe imply that they're on their own because of the choices they made. All this table of outfits, even those who have different faiths that we may judge as enemies. And Jesus is right there with them at the Waffle House, scattered, smothered, eating it up together, And then the ministerial alliance comes in. That's me and my crowd. We're all looking good, walking tall, no dirt under our hands, looking good, looking smooth. And we sit down at our table for our meeting, and there they are. And we look at them. What is he doing with them? We're the ones called. We're leading your churches. You gave us the gifts and the call, and you're with them And Jesus says, absolutely I'm with them. In essence, don't be the older son. I love all of you. I'm not shirking you one bit. I stand waiting to bring you home and home again, time and time again when you step away. But every time that in these parables, something is found that is lost, there is a celebration with friends and neighbors. The first two stories use those phrases. When the coin is found by the woman, she called her friends and neighbors and they had a celebration. When the sheep is brought home to the 99, they called their friends and neighbors and they had a celebration. And in our story today, they kill the fatted calf, which is again largely a community effort which would have implied friends and neighbors at this celebration. We are meant to take to these people that we may think are lost, who may we think are beyond God's love and God's grace. And thank God, they are, and we they are not, and we are not. We have to know God's unconditional love, and that's what the Father shows—unconditional love. We look at this as a parent, and we think, "What I." You can come in, but you're going to pay for what you did to this family. Or the son could have come back, the younger son, and said, Hey, I'm out. Uh, I need some more, and then I'm going to go to another place where there isn't a famine, and then I'll do much better. I need to squander some more. But it was the father's unconditional love that is the core of the day. If you look quickly on your bulletin cover... Rembrandt, 1606, Dutch painter, one that we know fairly well. This was one of his great works near the end of his life, uh, and we lightened it up a little bit. It is dark uh, in its original state. Now, I've been to the Hermitage in, at St. Petersburg. I've seen the original. just remember staring at it for what seemed like ever. There are characters there, but the three main, you see the father and the son, the prodigal son, hair gone in tatters, and over on the right, wringing his hands in judgment is the collective wisdom of the older son standing there, and then possibly uh, mother, others spread out there. But one of the interesting things is if you look at his hands from the father, his left hand, as we look at it, the right hand versus his left hand, it's a mask seen as a masculine versus a feminine. Hand, So you see the one on the right, which is a bigger, tougher, spread out hand of a farmer, of one who works and raises cattle, on the shoulder to welcome. And then uh, you have what would be characteristic of a more female or feminine hand, more embracing and nurturing the son. Seeming to convey that God's love is all-encompassing, And that God loves us as more than a father or a mother, but as a parent and as an unconditional God. So today, as we look at these three, we need to figure out where we are and how we move forward. We are being called to go out to those people and places that are different than we are because we already know what they need to know, and that is God's grace, that is God's mercy. And Jesus tells these three stories to say that thing. When that person is lost, he's saying to the Pharisees, these sinners and tax collectors that I am with, they're your brothers and sisters. I want to bring them home just like I am wanting to bring you home and therefore, it's not that bringing a new person to Christ doesn't take anything away from us. It builds our community, our family, and that grace spreads and multiplies. So that is our call in week four. As we seek to do our own internal work for how we can repent, walk closer with Christ, ever closer to the cross, we are also being reminded by Jesus directly that we are to go to those who may be lost. Many in this space from time to time, we come in and out of being lost and being found. We are to go out and bring others home for Christ awaits. We are to bring ourselves home for Christ awaits. And we are to celebrate with one another, with our community, with our family, When we share God's love and we realize God's unconditional grace lives within us individually and as a family. So friends and neighbors, let us continue to celebrate this journey as we walk to spread this love and continue to seek those who are lost that through Christ they may be found. Hallelujah. Amen.